2: Welcome into the High Hopes Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Fritz, waiting for James Seltzer to get out of his important meeting here at the WIP studios. But on the line, we are so very happy to be joined by the Athletics, Eno Saris, who is just one of the best baseball people in the business. Uh, Eno, how are you today? And thanks again for coming on.
0: I'm doing great. It's fun to have baseball on TV. I mean, I'm, I'm going down to Arizona on Friday, and uh, I feel like this is actually getting started after that off season we had. It was it's a little, you know, it feels a little weird.
2: It is definitely a little weird having uh, baseball in February, uh, but it, you know, it is. It's great to be back, uh, and even though it's been pretty mild here in the uh, in the northeast part of the country, uh, it just seeing baseball back on the screen really, uh, really warms your heart up. So I, I assume you, you feel the same way. So, so you know, you you wrote a great article the other day on the Athletic about about Nick Pavetta. And Nick Pavetta here is a guy that people don't really know what to make of Nick Pavetta. They think he's a, uh, a possible Archie Bradley type guy, first out of the bullpen. that can go multiple innings. But you kind of laid out that there is, a, there is a chance for him to be a pretty decent starting pitcher in this league. Just kind of maybe recap that article and let us know what, what you're thinking about Nick Pavetta.
0: You know, he had a little bit of prospect pedigree coming up. And I think a lot of times the, the the pitcher that struggles in his initial attempt at the league is maybe that the player that we turn on the most, (laughs) Uh, you know, I think we will give a hitter a chance or two, uh, but a pitcher will just say, Oh, you know, he was beaten up on minor leaguers or, or whatever. And I think um, in in the way that Nick Favetta came up and just blew up, uh, I think uh, made it easy to say, Oh, well, he's got no command. And, uh, Stuff's not good enough to overcome that. And yeah, I think a lot of people were out on him. But I just wanted to kind of refocus and be like, how good is this stuff? And did we see any adjustments late last year? Because the last two starts are pretty good. Do we see anything that we can believe in? And uh, for me, I, I see something. I mean, he improved that curveball. Uh, the four-seamer already has, you know, plus ride and velocity. Uh, so if he adds that curveball to what I think is a is a plus slider, then I think the fact that the changeup is no good and may never be good um, is not as big of a problem.
2: And what do you think about pitching up in the zone in general with baseball today? You know, for a long time, and I, you know, I pitched growing up, and I pitched in college, and a lot of the, all they teach us would be try to hit the knees, live at the knees, don't pitch up in the zone because that's where you get hurt. But it feels like that is that is changing in baseball. Verlander pretty much changed his whole career by learning how to pitch up in the zone. And if you've looked at the Phillies so far this spring training, Ike Koff's been trying to pitch up in the zone. It really seems like a a organizational switch that, that and it really just a baseball switch in general. Pitching up in the zone is now is now in.
0: There, uh, there are a few ways to get you know the good launch angle. Uh, that, that leads to the good outcomes and one of them is to tailor your swing to the kind of low and away pitch so there was there there are a, a group of hitters that are tailoring their sw- their their pitch to that kind of a Leo Mazzoni low and away uh, special and uh, that means that in a way you're 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 creating angles that are that are, are launching the ball and you're doing it from down low right? Some might call it golfing or whatever, but you know that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to lift the low ball, and those types of swings are susceptible to the high pitch because, as Brandon Moss told me, who has one of these uh, these swings, he just couldn't get his barrel straight, and he couldn't get his barrel straight when it was up that high, and he couldn't he couldn't make good contact high in the zone. There are other pitchers, there are other hitters like uh, Carlos Correa and uh, even Josh Donaldson who. People, I think, are part of the launch angle revolution that are actually high ball hitters. So, you know, that's a way to get launch angle and exit velocity on a pitch, too, is to just, you know, take... It's kind of the old-school approach. Adrian Brelcher does this. Just hit the high ball hard, and it'll go out. Um, So, I don't know if it's if pitching up in the zone is the way forward for everyone, but if you've got a high-ride... Uh, a riding fastball, the way savetta does, the, one, the kind of the fastball that jumps up on you. Mark Estrada, Chris Young, uh, Jerrell Cotton, um, uh, Kershaw, you know, there's a bunch of fastballs that kind of jump up on you at the end. If you've got one of those, I've learned that throwing that in the bottom third of the zone last year, riding four seamers, bottom of the zone, zero whiffs. That's so,
2: insane.
0: Isn't that insane? I, I had to check that a couple of times, but Uh, If you have plus ride, don't throw it along the zone. I think most pitchers have learned that lesson, but I think Pavetta was taught, you know, the old-school style, and uh, he he kind of tends towards belt and knee, um, and I think it's going to be difficult. I'm not sure he can do it, and this is kind of how the career turns for him, is can he, you know, hit the top of the zone, in the strike zone, uh, just out of the strike zone? Can he kind of realign? Uh, where he's aiming the ball, and if he can, then I think it all falls into place.
2: And another guy, a lot like Pavetta, is is Vince Velasquez. Do you do you think he should kind of go down the same the same path that Pavetta is? Have you seen anything from from Velasquez? That there's any chance that he could turn into a top flight starter here?
0: Well, I I've long liked his stuff. I think he's got the added complication of health, of course, um, and he in fact doesn't have. As plus ride as as Pavetta, but I do think you know with that kind of velocity and with some ride on that fastball, and you know I think probably better secondary stuff than Pavetta. Uh, if Vince ever figures it out, he could be an ace still. It seems impossible to say that, but it's still true.
2: Yeah, because Velasquez is the same kind of guy. He has that. He has that riding fastball uh, that that Pavetta also has, and he, he should probably learn how to throw that up in the zone. But even if not. Even if he never really turns into a top-flight starter, uh, I could see Velasquez developing into a really good back-end-of-the-bullpen kind of the bullpen guy, uh, hopefully, that, that can help this team down the road, even if it's not uh, out of the starting, starting realm. Now joined by, by my co-host here, James Seltzer, James Eno Saras. Eno!
1: Hey! What up, brother? Hey, is it I'm all right if I just yeah, well, I am too. I'll be blatantly honest. I <laughs> desperately wanted to be here and said, Is it all right if I just ask questions about the band Fish and we don't talk baseball at all? Is that cool? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was a big, big, big fan back in the day. I, I still go. I think I'm going to go to one in San Francisco, but uh, I I used to, you know, travel around a little bit.
1: Me too, you know. We, uh, we, we got some things in common there. We like beer and we like fish. This is a good thing. <laughs>
0: yeah i drove all the way down to florida for that uh the 2001 me too
1: you were in big Cypress. i was that was awesome
0: thank
1: right <laughs> now now jack is looking at me with the mystified look on his face so. i
2: just don't get fish i'm <laughs> yeah, sorry uh, i just don't get which
1: it. is which is understandable and that's fine we'll, we'll keep it for ourselves uh you know uh jumping in here and obviously uh, i know you guys have already covered some stuff here but just looking at the the rotation, you guys talked a little Velasquez, a little Pavetta. If you had to kind of put your finger on, you know, obviously there's the potential for an Arietta or someone else to come in here. But other than that, who of these guys, the Eflins, the the Pavettas, the Velasquez, the whole crew here, uh, Eikoff, who do you think's got a real shot to be in the starting rotation come opening day?
0: Uh, well, I think Aaron Nolan's going to be in the nine. Yeah, yeah well,
1: I, I, I didn't even. I figured that was uh, a <laughs> <went> without saying. <laughs>
0: The secret ace himself, no. Aaron Nola. No, I think it's it's going to be uh, and Eichoff. Uh, I think are are all set. Um, even if Eikhoff is more league average than than better than that, um, they need that. So you know, I think he's in. Um, you know, Velasquez. I I think you know I think they are in a place win wise that they can give him another shot at, uh, at, at starting all year. So, And I think they want to do that. They can always turn him into a closer, uh, into, into a reliever. Maybe it'll happen later this year. Like, for example, if they're good this year, but he's struggling, then you could see him going to the bullpen really easily because his addition to the bullpen could make them have, like, a really, really good bullpen. I mean, I love Narris And Neshek and Hunter are good situationally. If you put Velasquez in there um, as an Archie Bradley type, uh, that could be a really – sweet bullpen, but in the meantime, they don't have enough starters that I really believe in to, to put Velasquez in the bullpen. So I'm going no like call Velasquez, Taveta, and um, I have a hard time there at the bottom. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, Pinto was just throwing 98, but he almost took someone's head off today. Sounds about right. And, <laughs> yeah, and um, Eflin, I just don't know if he has the stuff. Morgan was better in the pen, as everybody is. Um, lively has some good deception. Uh Lighter has better command. I think it might end up being lighter. Oh okay. but I, I please no. I just <laughs> I just don't know I just don't know that I see like I think putting Ariad on this team would be huge. If you just push Velasquez into the five spot or whatever, or Pavetta, that would make me feel so much better. Lighter and lively, they can be spot starters. They can be guys who come up and go down, but I don't I don't really want to award one of them a, a slot. And, like,
2: what are what are your projection, projections for Arietta Because everyone knows he's kind of on the downswing of his career. But do you think there's still something salvageable there?
0: I mean, I don't think he was that bad last year. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're kind of focusing on the home runs at a time when home runs exploded, you know. And, uh, and otherwise, his strikeout rate and walk rate were... were in line and he, he lost a little bit off the slider. but I wouldn't call him a bad pitcher. In fact, uh, I think, I think Nola will jump into a number one type uh, situation pretty soon. And, uh, having Arietta be his number two, I think would really work out.
1: All right. Let's say that Arietta doesn't work out. Are, are there any other names? I know Alex Cobb's a name that's been thrown around. There's Lance Lynn. There are a few of those names out there. Anyone in particular you think if they can't get Arietta an interesting guy for the Phillies to go after?
0: Uh, well, you know, the thing about Cobb that's interesting is, that A, he never found his split finger after surgery. Um, that used to be, you know, a huge part of his success. However, he did pretty well with a fastball curve mix, and his curve is very good. So maybe you can say he'll be all right, and maybe he can get that split finger back. The other thing I found is that he pitches closer to his max than any... Uh, you know, I think almost any other starting pitcher in baseball. So he's already kind of doing the old pitcher thing where he's just airing it out, you know, until they take him out of the game. And that sort of thing adds stress. And he's already had this long history of injury. So, you know, I'm not sure about his injury status. And, you know, Lance Lynn is not so attractive. I mean, I'm physically, I don't know, physically, maybe, but, you know. Uh, uh, he's a he, handsome he man, a, you
1: know. <laughs> he's got that, uh, that woodsman type of look, you know.
0: The, the chunky, chunky
1: woodsman. Right, um, yeah. Put a flannel yeah. on him and you're good to go. <laughs> right.
0: Uh, and people don't like him because uh, he didn't get a lot of swing strikes and didn't seem to have that strikeout stuff. But he varies the speeds on his fastball a lot. And I know he just had the Tommy John, but I'd, be, I'd give him more innings than Alex Cobb in the next three years. And with a rotation like this, it might be really helpful to have an inning uh, <laughs> eater. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I also think that, like, you know, he could throw the slider more. And, and the changeup has shown some, some ups and downs. Like a different pitching coach, I could see one of those secondary pitches kind of coming to the fore. And um, I don't know. It all depends on price. It, you know, whatever number they're actually looking at, that's what I, I'd love to know what what numbers they're they're their representation are looking for. But if it's uh, a cheap Lance Lynn deal over a more expensive Alex Cobb deal, I'll take Lance Lynn in a second.
1: You know, you're a, uh, a fan of analytics, a part of the community for a while. That What are your impressions of Gabe Kapler? Obviously, someone kind of coming out of that mold. Granted, played in the majors for over a decade, which people seem to forget. But what are your impressions of Kapler? Obviously, a, kind of an outside-the-box hire there.
0: Yeah, well it's interesting. I think it's, uh, I think analytics actually gets you to the table. So I'm not sure that, um, that there are analytics hires anymore. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's it's a prerequisite. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, no, it's a good point.
0: I mean, I know that the Tigers hired garden Hire, but you know, he's, uh, I don't think the Tigers are going to be good. So I I (laughs) kind of feel like, I feel like they hired him to fire him. If You know what I'm saying? Sure. So, um, I think that you know, in a young and up-and-coming team that's trying to to buy to get a good manager that they believe in, uh, the analytics gets you to the table. And there's no way you know Dave Roberts gets that job without being friendly to analytics. Sure. So, so I tend to think of the manager as kind of a personality, uh, a, a leading personality, and a people manager. And um, he's he comes in, I think, with the with the recent experience, the young manager. I think that uh, he could do a really good job with these, with these kids. Uh, as a personality, he's intense.
1: Yeah, and, you could say uh, that again. You know? <laughs>
0: and I just feel like, I feel like uh, people react differently to that sort of intensity. I mean, I know that Terry Collins was just the guy in, in, uh, in New York. And when he, when he had his previous job in Anaheim, he sort of lost the room because he was too intense. And uh, players thought he was too much of a yeller, and this and that. So, um, you know, I, I do think that he's exciting, and that he's got a lot of cool ideas about nutrition. And um, he's obviously yoked, but uh, just a you know. In terms of how his personality uh, rubs the room, we'll see. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's archetypes. There's like the, the kind of the dusty baker. Uh, archetype, and then there's a little bit more of the Terry Collins, Kirk Gibson archetype. You know, there's the yellers, the the strict, the strict managers, and there's the player managers. And I tend to think that that matters a little bit more. Is that there's a certain right mix for for your players. Maybe young players need to have a guy who's going to be intense. I mean, that's maybe they need that sort of uh, professionalism. And you know, maybe a veteran squad, you know, can can have a players manager in there.
2: Yeah, I don't think the I don't think the 2011 Phillies would have taken very kindly to, to Gabe Kapler. Well, what wife. we
1: saw first, Dan, I mean, we went from Larry Boa to Charlie Manuel. I mean, that was the difference there, that type of thing. I, I think that's a great point there in terms of, uh, you know, Joe Torre failed one place, goes right set of guys, right spot, and he's a Hall of Famer.
2: Yeah, so you're going to be buying yeah. a, a Be Bold shirt anytime soon for, for Gabe? <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, you know, one more, one more for me. Um, you, Yeah, I just had a piece about win Projection's I know you've talked a lot about that. Can you talk a little bit about where the Phillies are at and kind of what you're expecting?
0: Yeah, I was uh, surprised to find that uh, the the error bars, the, the noise and win projections are is, is fairly hefty. Yeah. And uh, we were actually looking at the numbers a little bit wrong. When we when we re-ran them, we found that standard deviation was nine wins, which means, uh, just to kind of try and put it in an easy way, that means that 95% of teams, Will fall between uh, 18 wins above and below their win projection. So, for a team that's projected like the Mets to go 500, they could literally win 99 or lose or, or lose 99.
1: Sounds kind of silly. And, right? <laughs> and it's like,
0: how much are we? Of course, you know, uh, two thirds of teams fall within one. So um, it's better, it's probably better to say that uh, they give you a sort of general sense of the quality of the team. Uh, but if you're saying the Phillies are projected for 74 wins right now, uh, they could easily win 83. That's within the two-thirds uh, boundary. And if they're on pace to win 83, maybe they acquire somebody in the middle of the season. because, Or maybe they, go, they, they can still add you know, a pitcher like we're talking about. Um, you know, they could, they could, I think I see them as closer to 500 than maybe projections do, and maybe most people do. And they are also were the youngest team in baseball last year. Um, so, in that sense, they are going to grow together. They're going to get closer to their peak, and they're in a good spot. I like them as much as anybody. I know that people put them up against the Braves, but the Phillies have more. Young talent that's in the big leagues that's already hit, you know what I mean? That's already that's already done something. Then uh, and they're not depending as much like the Braves are on players that have never played in the big leagues. So, yeah,
2: what are your thoughts on on the, the the young core the Phillies have? The Hoskins, Kingery, Crawford, Herrera, Alfaro. I guess Franco. You got to put him in there. Um. Well, yeah, I know. I know he's he's a bit shaky. But in in general, what are your thoughts on that core going forward? Do you think it's a, it's, it's building something special here? Do you think they're just a, a, an average ish core that could, has a bunch of good players but really not a star player? What are what are your general thoughts on on the young core that's that's building here?
0: I like it. I like it a lot. I think uh, JP Crawford's going to be better than his projections. Um, he's going to like the the major league ball compared to the minor league ball. Um and I think he's gonna show power and speed. Uh I still believe in Michael Franco. He hits the ball hard. Nobody um he's among the best five in improving his launch angle in the second half last year. If he can just hit it a little bit more in the air, he could have a, a huge breakout season. Carlos Santana to me is a great signing. Uh I know people uh, talk about Cesar Hernandez's um uh, brain or, you know, his his uh you know his baseball acumen or whatever,
2: baseball IQ, um, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. They, they say he runs into outs and stuff, but how better to get better than that than play a lot of baseball? You know, like I, I, I don't see it as being uh, keeping him from being at least a league average guy for a while. Hoskins, to me, is a, is your is your free hitter. Um, you know, where he can play the outfield for a little bit. We'll see how that goes. Um, and, uh, Odebell kind of strikes me as his RNN is where he, you, see him run around the ball a lot. Um, but, uh, you know, he hasn't been playing center field for all that long. So, um, yeah, I, I like this core. I, I, I think there's a, there's even, um, like a little bit of surplus possibly on the infield with Kingery. And if that's true, then they have a, they have maybe somebody they can trade for pitching, um, they're gonna have they have a lot of money coming, so or they have a lot of money to spend at some point, so they can they can buy pitching. Uh, I, I like this this squad. I think can can win it all at some point if if they make the right moves going forward. Uh-oh. That
2: That's exciting. what I'm talking about, right so, there. So are you saying yeah. the Phillies are a sleeping giant, like we've been saying around here? <laughs>
0: I I don't I don't see the problem at all. I don't see the problem at all. I mean I know why people are down on Franco, but the worst case scenario. The worst-case scenario for guys like Franco, Hernandez, and Adubel are league-average players. Now you got a league-average center fielder, league-average third baseman, league-average center, second baseman, a possible star in left, a possible star at short. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that.
2: What do you think about batting Carlos Santana in the two-hole? Do you think that's the best uh, the best place for him to be?
0: I mean, you definitely want your best hitters near the top of the lineup. Um, you know, I, don't, I think Crawford can live there because of his OBP, and uh, he looks more stereotypical. Herrera kind of goes in and out with the walks, right? Um, he kind of has periods where he's always walking and then periods where he doesn't walk at all. Uh, that to me, I might want lower in the order. I don't think that I necessarily need him at the top. So my ideal order saying that Crawford hits the way I think he can hit would probably be Crawford, Santana, Hoskins.
1: Eno. I know yep. I am. I know Jack is. I know the vast majority of our audience, big beer drinkers. Give us a beer mm-hmm. recommendation right now, because if anyone fo- and following on Twitter, if anyone follows you know on Twitter, they know that he is a man who knows his brews. <laughs>
0: yeah, but uh, your area is uh, a little bit hard for me. I-, I I have some trading partners in in New York and uh, and down in uh, North Carolina, and uh, I don't. Uh, I need some. I need somebody to trade with me. You know. Send me some tired hands. Uh, that's my wheelhouse right there. Yeah, send me some pizza boy. I need. Yeah,
1: Pe- we can make that happen. But,
0: but uh, you know, in terms of like nationally available, I just had um, some jam bands from... Uh, Look at from, that. That's, uh, how you, that's
1: how you do it, you know, right there. That's good work. It's
0: <laughs> back all together. Uh, it's a jam bands from Boulevard. and It's really sweet. My wife was like, ah, soda. But uh, I liked it. Um, and then another one that's everywhere that I it's like always my recommendation especially as the weather warms I love uh, Firestone Walker's uh, Easy Jack it's just um, it's like a four and a half percent beer super easy you can crush a bunch of them it's a a session
1: beer right there baby
0: yeah exactly and that's uh, that's always it's always in my in my fridge during the summer
1: well you're you're
2: a big I I saw you tweeting about the New England IPAs recently and I'm on a huge New England IPA kick uh you got a any, any specific new england ipa recommendations for us
0: well those are tough because you know a lot of times you have to stand in the line for those and they're they're hard they're to so find good. i mean yeah they're so mm-hmm. good obviously treehouse and, and trillium led the way um i had some really good ones from other half um while i was the other half and and grim have some good ones while i was in um in new york um but, um, you know, now they're starting to creep onto the, you know, you know, nationally available scene. There's a couple of McKellar's trying to make one. Uh, Sierra Nevada has the thing called Hazy Little Thing. You're going to start seeing it from the national breweries. And um, the McKellar ones, I think, are pretty good. Uh, if you ever see McKellar, you know, uh, cloudy. And it, it, they say New England IPAs, and they just have a different name every every week. Um, so if you if you see a McKellar New England IPA, give it a try. I've, I've been happy with about 8 out of 10 of the ones I've had.
1: That's what I'm talking about right there, you know. That, that's good knowledge out of you.
0: This baseball talk was fun, but let's talk some beer.
1: Yeah, that's what really matters. <laughs> I mean, come on, right? <laughs> well,
0: and, you know, the, the thing that, that makes it so great is the thing that makes it hard to talk about, which is that, you know, it's so regional. And you can. I love landing somewhere and being like, take me to your best beer. <laughs> Um, and, and trading that—that's that. I love that. But then you know, you get on a podcast, you get on a radio show, and they say make a beer recommendation. I'm like, you know, what market was this again? Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> it's like I'll tell you a beer, but you're not going to be able to drink it. So, <laughs> right.
0: right. So, uh, that's why Easy Jack is always an easy one for me. To, to and and we
1: got Jack Fritz right here. Yeah. How about that? That's well done. You know, before we let you go, last question uh, from a fantasy perspective, because I know you've been known to play a little fantasy baseball yourself, obviously, Hoskins, Nola, a couple guys worth owning. Any, any sleepers, any guys on this team that you're kind of maybe taking a little higher than others are or, or you might be drafting that other people aren't interested in?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 like I, I think I gave a little tidbit about Michael Franco, uh, the reason I'm, I'm believing in him. Um, in deeper leagues, Cesar Hernandez is a good, easy way to get, you know, 20 steals at a time when no one's stealing bases. Um, so, you know, I'll take him. Odubell doesn't seem to get drafted for some reason. And he's, he's a solid player in the same sort of vein. So there's definitely, uh, and I'm taking Pavetta, uh, as my last pitcher in a lot Ooh, of people. So.
1: See that? I like that. That's a real, uh, it's a real sleeper right there.
0: Yeah. Those are, those are the types of players. I, I have a, a really deep league. Let me see if I can I have a really deep league where every year I just take a ton of pitchers, um, and, like, Miles, Miles uh Nick Pavetta, Chris Stratton, oh, wow. um, you know. It, it is a deep know, league, huh? kind of, Yeah, those are the kind of guys I'd love to take because there's so many guys uh, when it comes to pitching that just tweak a little something and break out. And uh, it seems, it, 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 by definition, happens more among pitching than hitting. It, pitching is harder to predict.
2: Agreed. Well, Eno, uh, thanks for joining us here on the High Hopes Podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, Your insight is always valuable here. And next time you come to Philly, let us know. We'll take you to Tired Hands and we'll enjoy some beautiful brews from that beautiful brewery.
0: Yes. Must
2: have.
1: Yes. And if, if you're not subscribed to the athletic folks, you're doing it wrong. Right. You're doing their, you're doing life wrong. Their MLB right?
2: coverage is unbelievable. It's
1: it's like it's the nineteen twenty seven Yankees of of <laughs> baseball coverage. All right. It's the murderers <laughs> row. That's how good it is, and, and Eno is a huge part of it. Well, thanks for having me on.
0: All right, thanks, Eno. Hey, Flyers fans, it's Al Morgani here. I want to tell you about my new Flyers podcast, South Philly Sauce, along with Ashlyn Sullivan. We break down the ins and outs of the team while also bringing you the best interviews with players, coaches, and media members. You can hear the new episode every week, twice a week, on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts.